Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. Ooh, surviving Christmas. Not the bad Ben Affleck movie, but just Christmas. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that movie. Oh, don't. Don't ever see it. It's so bad. It's uh, it's Ben Affleck and James Gandolfini, and I'm a little ashamed of both of them for making that movie, but we don't need to dive into that one. Uh had had a fun and disastrous Christmas, so you know, typical Christmas when you got a big family. <laughs> it seems like, but yeah, ours was pretty pretty low key. Yeah, my mom wasn't able to make it because her car broke down and a few other things sort of happened. But I'm here and I'm kicking. So <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, George Michael did not make it. Uh, he died on Christmas, which was. That that was one of those ones I was not prepared for. I was pretty surprised at that one. Yeah, he was only like 50. 53. Yeah, 53. Like that's crazy. And like the thing with George Michaels is um I like his music has been around my entire life. I mean, he really stopped recording hits in probably the 90s, but uh like I remember being a kid driving around hearing wham in the car a lot. <laughs> like particularly wake me up before you go go. Yeah. Was definitely a staple on the radio when I was a kid. And anything that was like eighties pop that was a staple, I heard all the time. So that made me kind of sad that he's gone. Yeah, and it was kind of weird because I think this year it seemed like there was like a ram or wham resurgence. Because you had Deadpool and then Keanu. Yeah. Yeah. And the the thing with Keanu, it was so funny with like George Michaels, but it was, he was even, it wasn't doing deep cuts necessarily, but like the ones that people don't remember as well, because I don't know. It seems like as his career went on, people like kept remembering the Wham songs, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) But he was like he was going into some some of the other hits in that movie. But it was reminding me how much I like George Michael and to see him gone. It's just I don't know. It was weird. And then that wasn't even the most significant death since we last recorded. Because then Carrie Fisher Ugh. just passed today, which is all kinds heartbreaking. Of brutal. <laughs> yeah, just it, like when she when she had that heart attack on the plane, I like kind of read it and I was like concerned. But then it seemed like a day or two later, well, her mom was like, "Well, she's doing she's doing well. She's doing well." And they announced she was in stable condition, and so it seemed like things were turning up for her. And I should know better than that. Stable is not it's like when they report stable condition. That's not necessarily a good sign. It's just not a horrible sign. Well, for a while there, she was in basic critical condition, and then they had upgraded her to stable. So. Yeah, it's just, but it it did take me as a surprise, like opening up the internet today and being like, "Oh my god, she just died!" Like, and it was right when she was starting to get a career resurgence too, you know, with all these Star Wars movies. Like, you know, <sighs> yeah, I it was a bummer. But um, whenever somebody passes, you always learn things that you didn't know about them. And I, I knew Carrie Fisher was a writer. I had no idea she was an in demand script doctor. Like that—that that was news to me. Did you know this? No, I was really unaware of a lot of her writing creds. So, um, she—I mean, she would like 
so apparently her first experience with it was she would actually take her lines in a lot of the the original trilogy of Star Wars and she would rewrite like some of the lines just to I don't know like punch them up and make them a little bit better and like I saw a sample page of some of the stuff that she did in Empire and it's like oh yeah she did improve it like it was just like little bland lines she had and then she just punched it up like what like she made the joke about like I don't know anything about the Lando system or whatever it was like when he's talking about Lando Calrissian and she makes it out like you know, not a person, but a, a solar system. Like, like that was her like punching up that line. And they like pretty much every line she had an empire that they showed on that page, like she punched up and made better. Um, but apparently she was able to take that. And then after she wrote a couple books, like she wrote postcards from the edge, which was like, a I had no book. idea that was like a biography, basic, like yeah. a biography. Yeah. It's basically a memoir about herself. And then that was a successful movie. Like I want to say in the early nineties, maybe late eighties, somewhere around there with Meryl Streep as the re- lead, I believe. Yeah. Cause she, I think did she, she win an Oscar for that or I nominated. I don't think so. I never heard about her being an, mm. an Oscar winner or even Oscar nominated, but um, so that, that was impressive. And then they, they went through like some of the movies that she worked on as a script doctor, which basically means like when they're done with the script, they pass it to somebody else to either improve it or fix problems in the scripts. And so she worked on hook lethal weapon three sister act, the wedding singer, um, the prequels, which we won't, I look the prequels, like <laughs> I'm not going to hold that against her. <laughs> Who knows how bad they would have been if they hadn't like gotten past in front of Carrie Fisher and, uh, and then outbreak. Um, and she probably worked on some more, but those were the ones I kept seeing listed over and over again. Like, Lethal weapon three, super solid. Like we watched that not too long ago and it's still a really fun movie. <laughs> like, I don't care. It's, it's good. Um, and then, like, The Wedding Singer, we watched it not that yeah. long ago. Even though, like, it's got Adam Sandler and it's still, it's still my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Like, it's, it's, it's a fun movie. It is a fun movie. It might be the only one where he's got a love interest in it where, like, they don't have to justify why the love interest suddenly likes him. Like, <laughs> she actually, like, they actually have chemistry from the beginning. And they develop it throughout the film. Like, I mean, they, yeah, they, like, deepen it, but, like, they have chemistry immediately in that movie, which you can't say about any other Adam Sandler movie I can think of. It's always like, like the girl thinks he's a total moron and then he succeeds in whatever he's doing. And then suddenly the girl like turns her way of thinking, which is just is not very realistic at all. So I'm just going to attribute that to Gar- Carrie Fisher because <laughs> <laughs> it's the only Adam Sandler movie she seems to have worked on. So <laughs> I'll say that that was her being like, no, dummy, like you have to make this girl, you know, like him from the start and make it evident so that it's not like a reach for the audience, you know? <sighs> but, um, I, 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 and then like news came out, I guess she'd already wrapped her stuff in episode eight, but yeah, um, it, it kind of led me to something that I've been I've been talking about a little bit with my friends, and we've mentioned on the show before, but it bears repeating. So one of the reasons why, and I had a more solid reason for Her- Harrison Ford's character dying in in Episode Seven, 
But one of the things that convinced me he was going to die in that movie was that like he had this giant, like he had the biggest salary in that one and then like very little salaries for the next two. And so that made sense to me that he was going to die in that one. And then the other two are like smoke screen, you know? Yeah. But if you're following that logic, the big payday means your character is dying in that movie. Mark Hamill has the huge payday in the next one. And he had a little payday for the first one and a little payday for the third one. And Carrie Fisher had little paydays for episode seven and eight and then like a huge one in episode nine. So that like, if you're following that logic, that tells me that like they were planning on on knocking her off in episode nine and knocking off Luke Skywalker in episode eight, which I can totally see. Like, I, I feel like you almost had to do that to pass the torch in a way. Yeah. Like, it, you know, you, you introduce your your new friends, but then you sort of, like, you let it be known over the course of the trilogy, like, yeah, but these are the new characters we're following now, you know? Um, So who knows what they're going to do for episode nine now? Yeah. I know I read today that they were going to do, because you had mentioned that they already had her scenes in the can yeah before she passed away um but they were going to add a tribute to carrie fisher in episode nine so it'd be interesting to see what they do with that yeah yeah i just don't know but it's it's real sad (sighs) um it's definitely i don't know like it it, it's definitely like sad in everybody that I seem to have seen across social media, you know, like it's, she was iconic. Like there's no getting around <laughs> it. Like she was iconic. So yeah, the only thing I saw was, I don't know how to put them other than Trump trolls. <laughs> What's that? Trump trolls were having it or just going nuts today. And I, it just, drove me nuts because it was somebody because i was reading through some comments on stuff and somebody would say like so and so had passed away carrie passed away and then but yeah we still have trump (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would imagine that would drive him crazy and so and it just it fed a lot of trump trolls today it really kind of bothered me and it was people who were saying like oh what has she really done other than star wars like and i mean those were her title roles but she was really good in a lot of stuff that yeah i'm glad you mentioned this um like when harry met sally my mom and me and and my wife watched that on thanksgiving and it's such a great movie. Like I hadn't seen it for probably like a decade, but I've seen it like three or four times with like a lot of time in between each watch. And each time I watch it, I'm like, this is such a good movie. Like it's just, it's a really funny movie. Like the emotional stuff feels real. And like, it's just a solid fucking comedy. And like, she has the absolute best line in it. And it comes in the scene where, like, Billy Crystal's character, Harry, had just run into his ex-wife. And I think he says something about, like, oh, you know, it's a city of one billion people. It was bound to happen at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Looks up. But he's trying to play it off like it's not a big deal. And then uh, 
Carrie Fisher's character is moving in with Bruno Kirby's character <laughs> and her and, and and him and Sally go to sort of help him move. And then he's got this really ug- ugly wagon wheel coffee table. What's so awful about it? It's so awful. There's no way to even begin to explain what's so awful about it. Honey, I don't object to any of your things. If we had an extra room, you could put all your things in, including your bar stools. And well, I would. Honey, wait, 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 honey, honey, wait, wait, wait. You don't like my bar stools? Harry, come on. Someone has to be on my side. I'm on your side. I'm just trying to help you have good taste. I have good taste. Everybody thinks they have good taste and a sense of humor, but they couldn't possibly all have good taste. Yeah, it's funny. We started out like this, Helen and I. We had blank walls, we hung things, we picked out tiles together. Then you know what happens? Six years later, you find yourself singing Surrey with a fringe on top in front of Ira! Do we have to talk about this right now? Yes, I think that right now actually is the perfect time to talk about this because I want our friends to benefit from the wisdom of my experience. Right now, everything is great. Everyone is happy, everyone is in love, and that's wonderful. But you gotta know that sooner or later, you're gonna be screaming at each other about who's gonna get this dish. This $8 dish will cost you $1,000 in phone calls to the legal firm of That's Mine, This Is Yours. Harry. Please. Jess, Marie, do me a favor for your own good. Put your name in your books right now before they get mixed up and you don't know whose is whose. Because someday, believe it or not, you'll go 15 rounds over who's gonna get this coffee table. This stupid... Wagon wheel, Roy Rogers garage sale coffee table. I thought you liked it. I was being nice. He just bumped into Helen. I want you to know that I will never want that wagon wheel coffee table. like it's like billy crystal is just fucking killing it in the scene and then she tops him in that scene you know like she's so good in it and i mean she's not she's not the first person you think about with that movie i mean but she fucking nails it in that supporting role too and when those people are saying it's just star wars like no man like she's been in tons of things yeah and she was really good in supporting roles but that's the thing she did a lot of supporting roles yeah and so people don't like don't think about that as much but she was there man her and Mar- mark hamill were both in jane silent bob strike back and she's really funny as that nun <laughs> oh you know? my god i forgot yeah like <laughs> I, I like the more i sit and think about it the more like stuff just i mean there was her she played uh jake blues's fiance or ex-fiance that's right in the blues brothers yeah, yeah. She blows up the his apartment with a bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to say she was And what was it? Uh Austin Powers Man of Mystery. She was the, the counselor they were going to see, the group counselor. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And one of the funnier I don't know if you've seen the show Legit. Uh it's no. on FX or FXX, I'm not sure which. Um I think their second or third season. I know the two seasons are on Netflix. And in the second season, she has like a three or four episode uh, art where she plays like a Hollywood executive. It's like um, sexually harasses the main character. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's like, oh, you want to pardon such and such? 
And she like spreads her legs open. You know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Carrie Fisher, she had a really wry sense of humor. And if you saw it in interviews, I'm mean, I don't know. She was she was great, man. She's Hollywood royalty. Like in terms of who she was a daughter of and in terms of what she did on the screen and what she did behind the screen. So it's like the haters need to shut the fuck up. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Like, they're just hating, but... They're just trolling. It put me in, in like, a an, a weird situation today because... I, I might as well talk about it on the podcast. I haven't been talking about it, but I, I've got a Twitter handle right now that's Donald Palpatine, and it's basically the idea that, like, Donald Trump is the emperor because I kept hearing that from people. And, it, I mean, we joked about it, like, months ago, but just kept hearing about it. And so I made the Twitter handle, and... And uh, I've been basically I come up with little things I remember Donald Trump doing and like try and put it. I take his quotes and then like turn them into something that the emperor would say. Yeah, Star Wars related, but like in the the emperor's sort of cadence, I guess it's not cadence. Like it's definitely Trump's cadence, but it's like something that would be from the emperor's point of view, I guess. Yeah. And uh I think it's funny. I don't know, <laughs> but I've I've been going off on that lately. And so today it was like Carrie Fisher was dead, and it was like I didn't want to break character, but at the same time I'm like looking at it, and I'm like I gotta say something. And so I like pulled when Donald Trump was in the debates talking about Hillary Clinton when they told him that to compliment, say a compliment to each other, and he was like, "She's a fighter," like she. You know, all of that. Like, I basically said that and then hashtag Carrie Fisher at the end. It wasn't, like, a funny tweet, but I was like, I got to say something, but I don't want to, like, break character totally either. Um, but it, it it's kind of, funny, like, shifting away from that for a minute. So this Twitter handle, I got blocked for the first time last night. You got blocked? I got blocked, dude. It was fucking crazy. Like, I couldn't believe it because I've been, like... Every now and then when I just want to, like, tweet something and there's no Trump tweets to, like, crib off of, I'll, like, just put in, like, Emperor uh, Palpatine and sort of, like, just find stuff that people said. And somebody said something to the extent... I'm trying to remember what it was. It, It was a really benign thing, but I just made a joke from the emperor's point of view and it wasn't insulting or anything and like the lady like blocked me like it was literally 10 seconds after i sent out the tweet the lady blocked me and i was like holy shit (laughs) wow she was like on it like and i don't think she even read it i think she probably just thought i was like a troll or something which i guess i'm trolling trump but like that's (laughs) really the only person i'm I'm, like trolling like an example was like right before that i do remember the tweet i had right before that some lady said that um Donald Trump is like the emperor, but he points his Death Star or he points his Death Star at gay people and women and Mexicans. And so I retweeted that and said, I've only pointed the Death Star at Scarif, uh, Jetta, and Alderon. Any gay Mexicans or women I kill were just icing on the cake. <laughs> like, that's the kind of like shit that I tweet out, you know? Um, but yeah, I just like I couldn't believe I was blocked. But it made me laugh because like it would have been one thing like if she had blocked me like today, I might have been a little like upset about it. 
Because it's like, what the fuck? Did you even read it? But the fact that it was literally within 10 seconds. Like, <laughs> I sent out the tweet and then it immediately said this person blocked you. And, like, I couldn't see her, her section of the tweet that I retweeted all of a sudden. I was like, wow. That is efficient, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe there's some automatic setting where you can just automatically block out people who retweet you. <laughs> I don't wow. know. But it was it kind of made me laugh. I don't know. But yeah. <sighs> Anywho. So um, Oh, but follow me, Donald Palpatine. <laughs> Not Donald J. Palpatine. That's another dude who did the thing and stole one or two of my tweets, by the way. <laughs> I was pissed. Uh yeah, fuck that guy. So follow me and then give that guy a hard time. <laughs> Cause I like put up a tweet and then three days later he had verbatim the same tweet. And I was like, really? And I think I deleted my tweet and then rewrote it in like an even funnier way. But I was sort of, I was sort of butthurt about it. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I figured it must have been too easy of a joke if he stole it. So, anywho, um, did you hear about Blade Runner? Did you see the trailer? No. So Blade Runner twenty forty nine had a trailer that came out uh, this week. Ridley Scott is fucking busy. Like, really busy. Like, they had a trailer for Blade Runner 2049 and Alien Covenant this week, which is, like, crazy. But, um, yeah, the the Blade Runner trailer. That, have you seen Blade Runner? Not all the way through. Really? Did you give up on it or just didn't get to finish it? Yes. <laughs> it was one of those things I got about halfway through or more so. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I can't finish this. And then I just haven't really had the urge to pick it up yet. I saw it 15 years ago and I can remember little scenes, but not a lot. So I might as well have not have seen it. That's the thing. Like I remember talking about this with Adrian too, because people go so crazy for Blade Runner. I'm just like, why? And it's not, it's not like a, upset thing it's just like i don't remember it very well like that that's the whole thing <laughs> you know in the half i've seen it there wasn't anything that was really memorable i know like the soundtrack was like hugely influential because it's an all synth soundtrack and i it seems like a lot of the people who did um like kind of synthy like alternative music in like the late 80s and 90s they almost always reference that soundtrack as being a, a real uh influence yeah influence and i know it's like influential in a lot of sci-fi movies because i hear about it all the time but i remember basic like vaguely what it's about but i i gotta rewatch it like the fact that people are still talking about it after like 30 years means i should probably like give it another run and watch it <laughs> but i don't know but the, i watched the trailer and it was like interesting but it wasn't like like it's definitely not a blue screen heavy movie. Um it's it's a lot of like, you know, the city, like a lot of rain and neon signs and stuff like the first one was. And Ryan Gosling seems to be the main character and he tracks down Deckard who's uh Harrison Ford. And they have this little conversation and then like the trailer ends. And so it's like it 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 piqued my curiosity enough to where I'm probably going to rewatch Blade Runner. I actually like sit down and rewatch it so I can remember what it is. 
So <laughs> I don't know. I was also like when I originally saw it, I mean, what I was like 2021, 20, I was probably stoned out of my mind and like had no idea anyway. So I feel like I, it's a sci-fi classic. I feel like I should give it a real run, you know? Yeah. Not so much you. <laughs> I could tell by your look. I... When was it that you watched the half of it? A couple months ago. Oh, well, shit, dude. You don't need perspective. It's just boring to you. Yeah, it is. And it, <laughs> But it's one of those things I want to finish, but don't. <laughs> I remember the end of it for what that's worth. <laughs> Maybe we can pull our remembrances together and like come up with what the whole movie is about i know he's like he's like hunting replicants right right and like they hit a certain point where they're supposed to die at a certain point and when they don't he goes after them is that correct well they're basically i think they outlawed all the replicants so they're like tracking them down and destroying them okay and there's like a replicant insurgents and that's what the Blade Runners are. They're the people that go after them. Yeah, they're basically cops. <laughs> and then I think he falls in love with, like, Sean Young's character. And uh, she's, like, a replicant, right? Oh, did I just give away something? That might I have been the end of the movie. <laughs> I think that's the end of the movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I, I guess he disappears, and so like this takes off uh, takes place thirty years afterwards, so which is appropriate. It's thirty years later right now, so yeah, yeah. But uh, so that looks good, and then like the Alien Covenant trailer, I'm very excited for this. Now I know you're not like a huge Alien fan, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, I definitely like, have no no time for Alien. So I'll talk about this a little bit because I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> and I know there's other people. So, first off, the the trailer dropped this week. It looks dope as hell. It's got like a xenomorph at the end of it. Like there's a girl taking a shower, and then you see like a bony tail about to like go up her, and she like kind of looks and freaks out, and then you see a xenomorph. And it's like fuck yeah. And they have a scene where like a lady's trapped in a a place with somebody, and it looks like an alien's gonna burst out of his back. Like, out of his, like, spine or something. So, like, it could be that there's still, like, from the end of Prometheus, you know, we didn't quite get the alien yet. So, it could be that they're still evolving and haven't quite gotten to the xenomorph by that scene. Or it could be something else. Who the fuck knows? But interesting. Like, it, it looks interesting to me. And then uh, Catherine Watterson. So, this was a quote that I pulled um, because she was talking about it's a sequel to Prometheus and a prequel to Alien. Like that Ridley Scott has said this, so there's definitely gonna be xenomorphs in it, I would think. And I mean we saw it. we saw it in the shower, so they're not fucking around. They're actually there. But um she said, I think it has elements of both films. Like it's got aspects that are similar to Prometheus, and then it does feel in many ways like a return to the original. But again, it's its own thing too. And sometimes I think describing things in those terms limits it in a way that gives the audience information and it's better for them not to have. When I first saw the original Alien, I didn't know what it what I was about to see. I'd never seen a trailer or anything. My friend's older brother put it in to traumatize us, which it did. And I think <laughs> that it will be the most fun way to watch this movie, too, with fresh eyes. 
So I don't want to give too much away. But obviously, if you look at IMDb, you know Michael Fassbender's in it, which is in the trailer, by the way. Uh, so there's going to be a connection to Prometheus. But yeah, they show Michael Fassbender and he's got a whole body again. So uh, apparently they fixed his ripped off head. <laughs> Which, like, is one of the best scenes of Prometheus. It's like they go to that 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 alien that, you know, one of the creators. The engineers. Yeah. And it sees, like, the old fucking man who's just, like, prolonged his life way beyond what he was supposed to do to meet his maker. And he's upset. And he sees, like, the android that he then created. And he rips the head off the android and then beats the guy to death with it. <laughs> <laughs> to Wayland, you know. So it's uh it, by the way, check out the Alien Movie Project where they uh where they talk about Prometheus. If you haven't listened to that one yet, it's a real good listen. It's really fun because it, like Aaron is an alien fan who did not like that movie on the initial run and then seemed to enjoy it more on the second run, but fully admits it's a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> Which is where I'm at. Like I totally know it's a hot mess, but like visually i thought it was stunning and i thought there was a lot of fun ideas in it so um anyway check out that amp um they also just did john carter which is always fun to hear aaron and kate in pain with movies because <laughs> they were not thrilled to watch that movie and i think santa claus versus the martians is coming out in a couple of days <laughs> i know i have been following uh Aaron on Facebook and he's was not happy with watching that movie. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the last movie he was excited about watching. I think it was Apollo 18 and it was just because of the space program stuff. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because he's not like big into horror movies either. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's been a lot of movies in a row. He is not liked. <laughs> but yeah anyway um you have any thought alien covenant you gonna check it out i might you might does that mean like your wife is gonna want to check it out no no okay just might just to see it yeah just kind of curious where they're going with the that whole universe well hey if you go on opening night we're bound to sit next to each other (laughs) Oh, my wife will not be watching this movie. Not a fan of the Alien franchise at all? Not at all. Yeah, fair enough. My and, wife is. So. And I'm pretty borderline. Like, I'm not a big fan, but I've seen a lot of them. Well, let's let's do the rundown. <laughs> Alien? Yes. Aliens? Yes. Alien 3? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Alien Resurrection? That's the one with uh, Sergoni Weave. Well, okay. <laughs> That's a bad description. That's the one where like she gets resurrected, where Ripley gets resurrected as a clone. You know, I've like, seen parts of it, but I can't say I've seen it all the way through. It's horrible. Don't waste your time. <laughs> okay. Uh, Alien versus Predator. Yes. <laughs> Alien versus Predator 2. Yes. <laughs> More excited, yes. You must feel about him like I do. Yeah, that first Alien vs. Predator was dog shit. Yeah, the second one was exactly what I wanted. It was exactly what I wanted. Like, fuck the humans. They're they're just food. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like a breeding ground for the aliens. Like, 
That was the problem with AVP. Was is it made it a human story instead of an alien story? Yeah, fuck the humans. I don't. They're always like, "Oh yeah, you have to feel for something." No, we don't, motherfucker. <laughs> Look, let's be real here. The people who are going to Alien versus Predator did not want emotional stake in anybody <laughs> on the screen. They wanted to watch Aliens and Predators. Like once we knew Ripley wasn't in it, we wanted no emotional stake in any characters. They're fucking bait. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, anyway, okay, so we covered those. I know you saw Prometheus. Did you see Predator 2? Mm, don't think I did. Okay. It's not a good movie, but it is a bit of a laughable movie, and it does have the trophy case. The only reason I bring it up is it has the trophy case when Danny Glover finds the, um, the alien or the predator ship at the end and he's going through the trophy case and there is like a xenomorph like head attached to a spine like in the trophy case so that was their first like indicator that (gasps) they might do alien versus predator 2 and then they didn't and then they didn't and then they didn't then they did alien resurrection and then they didn't and then they finally did (laughs) and they made it pg-13 Because, you know, you want to make a PG-13 out of two franchises combined that had never had anything less than an R movie. Hard R. <laughs> yeah, like hard R. You don't show your kids any of those movies. I could probably show them Alien vs. Predator just because they might be able to take a nap while they're watching it, you know? Yeah, there wasn't anything that I remember redeeming out of that movie. No, it sucked. And I've heard that the director's cut is good, but I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> I just don't believe it. There was no memorable scenes of, of it to me. Speaking of director's cut, I uh, purchased uh, the extended edition of Suicide Squad. How is it? Really good. Really? Like, it is the movie they should have put out in the theater. Okay. How long is it? Um, it's about 15 minutes longer. So it's like two and a half? Yeah, about like that. Okay. But it ties everything together so much better. Can I borrow that from you? Yeah. Okay. It might be a week or two. Yeah, it's fine. I understand Shannon's got but to do like 75 run-throughs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's crazy because the, the Blu-ray has like three different versions of it in it because it's got the theatrical cut. Okay. I believe it's a director's cut and then okay. an extended cut. What? That's insane. Why have three cuts? I don't understand that I, at all. One might just be commentary and i don't know i know there's the extended cut and the theatrical cut and they each have their own disc by the way we don't have enough interaction with our audience um so if if you don't even have to like the not safer network page on facebook (laughs) just look it up like i'm tired because nobody ever likes it but um if you just get on there and post for this posting or for this podcast, will you please let me know? Like, just running back to what we're talking earlier, should when I go to revisit Blade Runner, should I watch the original or the director's cut? Because I honestly don't know. Like, like part of me is like I should watch the director's cut because blah 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 original vision. But then I've seen enough director's cuts now 
where I know sometimes they're not good. They're just adding in extra shit that they throw against the wall. So it's like, can somebody let me know if you've seen both cuts, like what the better cut is? I will absolutely follow your advice, but just let me know so I can figure it out. But you're saying Suicide Squad, better one is the David Ayers cut. Is that basically what it is? Yeah, it's all the stuff that they, when they did the reshoots and recut before it hit the theaters, they put so much stuff, good stuff on the cutting room floor. And that really tied the storyline together. There's like a good, like five minute scene between Harley Quinn and, and the Joker that really develops their character characters. And it's so much better. Is that why, do you think that that's why, uh, um, Jared Leto was upset? Do you think that, that scene being cut pissed him off or is there more? It would definitely, if that were my scenes, I would be pissed off because they do add something to the story and the flow is much better. Um, and then there were a couple of lines of dialogue that we saw in the trailer that were great dialogue that were cut. Like when they're all sitting around the bar having a drink and Diablo is like, I'll just have a water. Yeah, she's like, that's a really that's good a really idea. good idea, hon. <laughs> like they cut that out of the theatrical cut. That does seem weird. That and all the talk- and when you watch it in the the extended cut, it fits so much better. And they actually extended that bar scene out some, and you got a, a little better feel for these characters. It does seem weird that the. Uh- that all the talk when they did the reshoots was that they were adding comedy to it and making it lighthearted. And then that they like cut out that line that everybody likes on the trailer. Like that just seemed odd to me, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. So, so totally worth checking out. I, no, I it, and I actually ended up watching it twice <laughs> since we what like wow. picked it up and it, it is a way more enjoyable experience. Yeah, I thought about getting it. Um, I was going to let the girls watch it, but just have like a big, long conversation with them about like, like, just like, you know, Harley Quinn, like her relationship with the Joker is not healthy. You shouldn't do things like this for a guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even though they're little, it's just like, I don't want to like add all the negativity to them that they don't think about. Yeah, and I realize this movie isn't necessarily going to push him in that direction, but it might help. Yeah, like, I just don't. I don't want to like encourage like abusive relationships being okay because it's like I totally get with Harley Quinn, and they like did like I have no problem with them doing that. Like <clears throat> they like they serviced what the character is. That's totally what she yeah. is. But and the it, problem it never is that really... my girls like totally look up to Harley Quinn, yeah. Despite the fact that they've only seen like one one hundredth of the shit that I've seen with Harley Quinn, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. And when when I watched it in the theater, I remember seeing her and the relationship with the Joker just didn't fit or didn't seem like. And I don't want to like say if it was a normal relationship because that's not, but it never like showed any clue to motivation 
And this one scene, I mean, she chases him down in a motorcycle and like cuts him off. And like she puts a uh, gun to her head or no, she puts a gun to Joker's head and the dialogue they have back and forth, like actually makes sense for the characters. Okay. So, I mean, it was something that like actually developed those characters and showed what their relationship is really based on. So I thought it was really interesting. It sounds good, man. We started rewatching Iron Man today. Like the like original the first Iron, Iron Man. Man. Yeah, because they put it onto Hulu and like I have it on DVD and stuff, but like we we're sitting around and like uh the girls were kind of arguing about what they wanted to watch and my wife wanted to watch something different and she just like put on Iron Man. At first the girls weren't happy about it, but I don't think that either of them have seen Iron Man since like the year it came out pretty much like on video or whatever. So I don't think I've seen it since for quite a stitch. Gotta say probably the best Marvel movie. I hate to say that because like I've like upped the stakes on many of them and gone back, but like rewatching it with fresh eyes and like remembering, I remember all the scenes, but it's like watching how they played out. I'm like, holy shit, this is such a good movie. Like, it really is. And they like world build so good in that movie, but like they do it in a way where it doesn't feel like they're like, hey, watch this next movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than like the Avengers sort of staying at the end. But even that is like after the credits. And that's just, that was just for hardcore fans because nobody knew what the fuck he was talking about who wasn't a comic book fan. When uh, Nick Fury talks about the Avengers initiative, you know, (laughs) it's only like comic book fans who knew that at the time. And so I don't know. Like I watched it and I was just like, holy shit, this is such a great movie. Like I forgot what a great movie it is. And, like, you really see Robert Downey Jr. on that journey from, like, his, like, Tony Stark being, like, a very self-obsessed person to, like, trying to be a better person. He's still self-obsessed, but he legitimately goes to trying to be a better person, which is, like, a funny turn, too, because he doesn't totally hit it, but he hits it where it counts, you know? Yeah. Like, he's still very rude to the people around him and things, like... When he gets back from uh from captivity and he's talking to like Happy Hogan, like John Favreau who directed the movie, you know, and Gwyneth Paltrow, and she's just like, Take us to hospital. He goes, Nope, I want to get a cheeseburger and then and she's like she's like, Yeah, I know what the second thing is. He's like, Nope, not what you're thinking, press conference. And she's like, You wanna do a press conference? He's like yeah, she's like, no, we got to get you to hospital. And he looks and he goes, cheeseburger first. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just like, and he's so fucking charming in that movie too. Like where she she points out that he doesn't even know his social security number. He's like, I know my social security number. She's like, oh yeah, what is it? And he goes, six. She's like, six? <laughs> he's like, yeah, six. Am I close? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But that movie, that movie is fucking good. Like, it's really funny too, but it's like, it, it really hits those emotional beats too. Cause when we start watching, like, like I said, the girls were not, not wanting to watch Iron Man. And then like, he sits there and has that really charming scene in the Humvee where they're going back and forth. And like, the dude's like, 
throws up a V and he's like, what is that gang signs? Put that down. I want a picture with gang signs. And the guy puts it down. He's like, no, I'm just fucking, or I'm just kidding you. Like put them back up. (laughs) And then like, it's really funny. And then all of a sudden the bomb hits and it's just like, and then all of a sudden you watch like the bloody chest and like, like going through the whole thing in the cavern. And it's like, it is a little bit emotionally draining when you're watching it. Like you really understand how we can make that turn because of the trauma that he goes through and they actually show the trauma yeah instead of like telling you he went through trauma they show you he goes through trauma you know and it's just like and and i'm not saying like disney has ruined it or anything like that like i i fucking love the way marvel movies are going they're closer to the comics than they've ever been it's just that like i was really surprised to revisit iron man after a long time and being like holy shit this is probably the best marvel movie like you know that it kind of makes me want to revisit all of them now (laughs) like it's the completest in me i I might have to like bring up on the internet to remind myself of the order to go through and just run through every marvel movie wow yeah it's funny because i have most of them on dvd or blu-ray i did it first and then uh i think iron man was the only one i had on dvd because then like i got a blu-ray player after that yeah but the thing with it is is that at a certain point netflix got big and they had like the disney contract and a lot of them were on disney and now a lot of them are on stars and i'm just like you know i don't think i have to buy these movies anymore like i felt like i did when they were doing the one shots but when they stopped doing the little one shot things that were really fun, you know, like the hill yeah. to the king and, and all of those. When they stopped doing that, I was like, I don't know if I'm interested enough of like the special effects processes and stuff like that yeah. to actually like pay for the the Blu-ray. So I haven't for a few years, but I'm still interested in that stuff. I just like I feel like I can read it on IMDB and be fine with it, you know? for yeah. the price because it's always like a 30 dollar blu-ray you know <sighs> and i just don't have that money i got kids if i was still a single dude i would have every single one dude i and i will say if, if i suddenly come into money somehow and i just have money i'm gonna buy that giant phase one box set i'm gonna ju- buy the giant phase two box set like i'll have them all on blu-ray but uh yeah i heard hulk is really hard to find on blu-ray Somebody at the pawn shop was Which telling Which one? Me that the Hulk. The Ang Lee movie? Yes. No. No. The one with Edward Norton? Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's one I don't have. Yeah. Or wait, is that the Incredible Hulk? God, I don't remember which one's. I don't Hulk have either one. one. It's probably Blu-ray. the Incredible Hulk. Um, But yeah, that one's real, real hard to find on Blu ray because apparently. It was like right before Blu-ray started to become popular. But like that movie is the least popular Marvel movie. So they don't really like put it out anymore. Like they don't re-spin out copies. So they say they just never see it come through the pawn shops. Like it's it's almost like a unicorn. <laughs> it's a real rare one to see like a Blu-ray of, of, of The Incredible Hulk. So I I don't know what that's got to do with anything. It's just something I heard a pawn shop dude tell me. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Did you hear or did you see Rick and Morty have an animatic preview of season three? I was just watching it before we came What'd you think? 
Um, definitely like sort of set the tone that like, yeah, whatever happened with like Rick at the end of season two is like totally resolved by the time this animatic in season three. I think I was reading some backstory. I think that was like episode four or something of this next season. I figured they'd resolve it in like one episode. Yeah. You know. And I, I was. I'm hopeful for the next season because they are going to make a 14 episode season instead of a 10 episode season. So that's going to be fun. They probably have more people to work on it too, I'm betting. Yeah. Dan Harmon is sort of blowing up, you know? Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't, it looks like they keep pushing it back and it looks like March for. Yeah. That's what I read. March is when they're going to start dropping those episodes i'll be okay because i literally did the whole run like a month ago (laughs) so i figure i got to like crack the cheat code on this one so i get to just like chill out and not be upset about not having new ones i'm usually like that with the show you know like if you if you fucking run through it you have to fucking wait like that's just that's just how it is from there on if you want to watch that show yeah i'm not one of those guys who's like well, I'll wait for the series to end and then I'll run through it. No. Like, what I've been learning, I might have done that in the past, but nowadays, if I wait for a series to end, I'm probably never going to revisit it. And I hate to say that, but like, like our friend Matthew Campbell did another run through a Breaking Bad, which I absolutely love, but like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to revisit Breaking Bad now because it just seems like there's no shortage of like new TV shows. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm like thinking like, when am I going to have time? You know, I'm just I, not. Yeah. I just started a new series. It's a uh, black mirror on Netflix. Yeah. Black mirror is good. Uh, I've just watched the first episode. Is that the one with the pig fucking prime minister? <laughs> no, that was the one with the, uh, the tell or the phone app that like, rates everybody to one to five stars that's right which you haven't gotten to the pig fucker episode yet no i haven't got to the pig fucker. oh it's it's glorious dude <laughs> it, but i'm sure you heard about it right i haven't oh i'm sorry <laughs> well you're gonna love it <laughs> just leave it at that but i did want to kind of talk about that that pilot episode because it's funny because we're just talking about rick and morty yeah and to tie that in, like uh, Dan Harmon did an episode of Community, which is basically the same premise as this episode. So what's that? They, the Greendale community, like is beta testing an app that like you can rate other people based on a scale of one to five meow meow beans. That's why I call it the meow meow beans episode. <laughs> okay. And basically, like, within, like, days, like, it turns into this little whole, like, hierarchy where the fives, like, have this social, like, club. And you have to be a five to get in there. And then you have to be, like, a four to, like, wait on the people. And then, like, (laughs) the twos are the minimal worker. The ones are, like, complete outcasts. And it's funny because it... That Black Mirror takes that and runs with it for an hour, 
because basically the whole culture is set up a bit around this this rating system where um you go up like you're going to a restaurant and the waiter comes up to you and you have this like thing in your eye that like automatically brings up their profile and you and then you rate them like one to five and so this this girl the main character is trying to like get up to a four point three or four point five i can't remember what it was anyways and so she's like has this whole plan to go to a wedding reception be the maid of honor to like bump her rating up so she can get into this get a credit or credit score up to get this new condo yeah and i i thought it was kind of it was really interesting and kind of disturbing at the same time i know uh I wonder which came first because Black Mirror, like the the run for BBC, which is what you were watching, like they added new episodes to Netflix, but that's not what you were watching. You were watching one of the BBC ones, right? Like they're all English. Yeah, that was English. Yeah. So, um, like American. That show happened a couple years ago. So I wonder which one came first. Like, was it an early community episode? It was season four, if I remember. Right. How many episodes or how many seasons? Well, they did six seasons. And they ended two seasons two years ago. Yeah, that's hard to say. That's close. <laughs> that's close. But uh, you're gonna like Black Mirror a lot, I think, because it's like it's like the Twilight Zone in that it's um it's all individual episodes. Yeah. yeah, it's like one and dones, right? But they're all in the same universe, and they all revolve around technology and how technology can be like horrible. <laughs> I think <laughs> like. I th- I think you're really gonna like this show. I do. Um, I liked what I saw so far. Yeah, like you know what it sort of reminds me of a way better done version of the Showtime reboot of, and this is getting very specific, but um, the Outer Limits. Um, the Outer Limits is like a show I absolutely love, super underrated because most people don't know about the original show, which was also good. It was sort of like a almost a Twilight Zone knockoff, but it was more. So it was basically like, what if we took the Twilight Zone, but we could do it in like four or five part like episode runs to tell a story and like make it way more sci-fi heavy, you know, because the Twilight Zone would have a story where like, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, something happens and it's just like, that's, they're just, you know, like a bomb goes off, right? Like, like there's an episode of the Twilight Zone, really famous one where like this guy doesn't like hanging out with people. And he's like an introvert. And then like he's in his bomb shelter getting something and then nuclear missiles go off and he comes out and everybody's dead in the whole world. But it's fucking heaven for him because like he can just walk around. He doesn't have to talk to anybody. He can read lots of books. But then like he goes to read his favorite book and he drops his glasses and he breaks his glasses. This is like (laughs) the end of the thing. Like he can't read anymore. Um, that's not really a sci-fi approach. And so Twilight Zone mostly did science fiction, but not always. Like Outer Limits was like definitely like we're going to like put our our like sci-fi testicles against the window and <laughs> have you see them. And uh, 
So it was like underrated for that. Like it was a good sci-fi show from like the sixties, but it's definitely like following on the, the fame of twilight zone. And then they like rebooted it. I want to say in the nineties for showtime. Yeah. It was like right. pretty good. Like it was pretty good, but like black mirror definitely like just fucking took that and like elevated it and more specified it, you know? And like, it's, it's just way better. Like, it is like Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and all that. Like it's in the vein of those things, but they've like, it's like the evolution of it. You know what I mean? Like they, they just keep getting better. And yeah, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> like it's like, it's like the evolutionary Twilight Zone. <laughs> nice. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. And I only knew about the Outer Limits, by the way, because my dad was like super fan of the Outer Limits. My grandpa, so like I watched a bunch of them. I remember watching quite a tape. few of them as a kid. Okay, was that rerun anywhere? Or did you just see them on like tapes? I feel like I saw a rerun on TVs, and it was one of those late night cable sort of things. Yeah, it was like an old black and white show. Um, I remember they'd be like. Don't adjust your your set. We control the horizontal, and you'd see a dot like going back and forth, and the vertical, and then it go up and down, and all this shit. And then it'd say, "For the next hour, you're gonna be in the outer limits." Something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember the exact theremin, <laughs> but it's something like that. It's definitely a theremin. Yeah. Uh, but my grandpa, he had like. I think they had like a bunch of the shows on VHS and he had like copied them onto like his own VHS in a highly illegal fashion in the time. Like, it, you know, like in the eighties where like people who did the VCR to VCR thing was like, careful, dude, you might get caught. You know what I mean? Cause they had the FBI warnings and stuff. And there's a lot of people that actually thought the FBI might like crack down your, your fucking door. Because you've got you. two VCRs. Yeah, because you have two VCRs and you're recording Turner and Hooch onto one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like people legitimately thought for a little while that the FBI was going to take you down. <laughs> it was just as comical when you think about it now. They'd only do that if you were selling tons and tons of videos. Yeah. And FBI is probably not going to take you down anyway, right? It's probably going to be the cops. Probably not the FBI. FBI probably had better things to do in the 80s. Or maybe not. Maybe that's why the Green River Killer got away with it <laughs> for so long, right? I they were know. They were so busy, like, making sure that copies of Home Alone 2 didn't get out. <laughs> that like, I'd like to bring up the worst comedies <laughs> of our childhood. Yeah. You know who, you know who is in Home Alone 2? Donald J. Trump. Yeah, Donald J. Trump. Chancellor Trump. Chancellor Drumpf? Is that what we were going <laughs> Chancellor Elect Drumpf. Chancellor Elect Drumpf. <laughs> uh, what a bad year. <laughs> so, to uh, just go ahead and fuck this year out, because <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much, like, today just kind of, like, solidified fuck 2016. Yeah. Like, I've had, like, personally had pretty shitty year. I, I have to. Like, <laughs> look, here's the thing where I'm supposed to be like, well, like, I got a family and, like, my wife and people that I love. And, like, yeah, I get that sentiment. But, like, shit has been hard. Like, 
forget about fucking Nazis getting into the White House or like any of that shit. Celebrity deaths that don't really affect me, even though like I feel like I know them, but I don't. Like, just throw all that out. It's been a really fucking hard year for me. Like, I lost my job at one point. Like, I was jobless for a while. Um, I've had other things with my kids that I'm not going to go into on like for the whole internet to hear, but that was really fucking hard and continuing to be hard. Like I have had a lot of shitty things this year and I'm grateful for the good things. And there was good things. Like I went to fucking LA. It was amazing. Like that trip I took in February, you can go back and listen to that episode. I think it's got deadpool riding on like a motor scooter for the picture <laughs> i don't remember what it's called the episode i got to like be in the background of a jimmy kimmel skit it was fucking great i got to see zach like amazing great great time it's like the only highlight of 2016 for me it was, yeah. a, hor- it was a horrible year like personally it was a fucking shit show and like I like part of me, like the contrarian part of me wants to like not join in when everybody's like fuck 2016 because I do feel that a little bit like, oh, it's just like everybody like going off about this celebrity or that celebrity in the election. But like, I really feel it like fuck this year. We have four days left of this fucking horrid, awful year. And I can't even imagine what's going to fucking happen before this Uh. year is out. Like, I can't even imagine. It's going to be something horrible. I'm sure of it. By the time we get the next episode, we're going to be crying into the microphones. I don't know. Yeah. But so I uh, ended up going down a rabbit hole today and I made a list of notable deaths in 2016. Okay. And I just kind of wanted to run through this list quick. And my phone's not cooperating with me all of a sudden. I also got a movie to review, too. <laughs> Actually, I did see a movie. <laughs> We're going to run long. All right. Let's start your movie. Okay. Okay. So, so for Christmas, we realized that uh, my stepkids were getting extra presents this year. Um, and so my daughter was short a present. And so I was like, I'm kind of more in the experiences department than I am in the <laughs> in the, the material stuff. Yeah. And so on Christmas Eve, I like came home from work and I was like, Hey Saran, do you wanna do you wanna you're gonna be getting one present less? Like, do you wanna go to this movie with me? And she was like, What movie? I was like, Do you wanna see Moana? And she was all about it. Like she was very excited. And so we went to go see that. And uh Aaron Donaldson, I'm sure would probably still have problems with it like not a fan of disney i haven't been in the past before too especially with disney cartoons in particular but like i did like zootopia i thought it was pretty progressive for like a disney cartoon and like this one is like another progressive thing like some of the things that aaron has like stated straight up it seems like they're working to fix um from what i understand they worked with a lot of hawaiians to try and get the mythology somewhat right in in the the movie and there's a lot of Hawaiian people that do the voices in it, which is pretty cool. And then you had Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But, I mean, you have to have an A-list, you know, headline the movie. But even that character is only in, like, half the movie. You know, like, it, it is a Hawaiian lady voicing the main character in this movie. And it seemed like her family is all Hawaiian, too. It was a really good movie. And I will say, like, the parents, she has parents at the beginning. 
a father and a mother. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And the father's got the bigger part, but the mother's definitely in it. And then, like, they live through the movie, through the whole movie. They don't <laughs> die. Like, she's not an orphan. Like, she actually has parents. Now, obviously, she goes off on her own adventure, and the parents aren't there. It's going to happen in every kid's cartoon, it seems like. But I was thrilled to see that the parents survived through the whole thing. (laughs) Like, we went to go see The Good Dinosaur, which I like, but, like, the dad dies in it. And uh, my daughter, like, cried in my lap, like, three different times during that movie. There was no crying in this movie. Like, there's there's one character who dies, and it's not the parents. Like, it's amazing. And it was a pretty good movie, I got to say. You know... My uh, wife and daughter went and saw that a, about a month ago or so, and she, my uh, youngest daughter actually puts it her second favorite Disney movie. Wow! Yeah, I it didn't seem to get the hype that the more recent ones have gotten. Maybe it was like on the level of the Good Dinosaur. You know what I mean? Um, but it it was a pretty good movie. Like I gotta say, like I really enjoyed it and. Jermaine Clement plays a crab in it who's like a shiny crab who likes treasure. And uh, I was really into that. Like, he's not a good guy (laughs) by any means. But it was fun to see Jermaine Clement from The Flight of the Concords in it and, like, sing a song in it. I really dug it. Like, it was really fun. So uh, I recommend that movie. Like, if if you haven't seen it with your kids yet and you're kind of on the fence about it, I say go. Like, a lot of the stuff that may annoy you about Disney films, not present in this movie. So, I like it. I like it when when um, companies like that. Like, Disney, is they are good storytellers, but they lean on certain elements over and over again. And some of them are very outdated. And it was nice to see them, like, update their things and actually, like, move forward in a progressive sort of way. So you saw a, an animated film as well, right? Yeah, I went and saw the Illumination film uh, Sing. Okay, so we covered maybe a couple months ago, like how much we hate Illumination <laughs> Not a big fan of Illumination Entertainment. So how was And I think one? it would, that mostly had to do with the... Uh, Minions. The Minions movie. <laughs> yeah. But like we started going through each one and it was like, yeah, fuck that company. <laughs> yeah, like... The only exception that so far has been the Despicable Me movies. Yeah, and the first one was like okay, but I wasn't wild about it. I certainly didn't like it on the fiftieth take. But like Despicable Me, Despicable Me two to me was better than the first one. Yeah, I like the trailer for the third one. Oh, they're making a third one. I didn't even know. Yeah, it, the the trailer is pretty funny. They had this uh, guy from the eighties who has like this like awesome mullet. And then the best part is, like, they show him, like, dancing around, and he's got, like, this big bald spot, like, between the party in the front and then the long part in the back. <laughs> That's great. So, what do we think of Sing? Um, it, it exceeded my expectations, but my expectations were none. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it was on a river scale of one to ten, <laughs> how would you rate it? About a four point five. <laughs> that's not. That's not a good. Uh, I, like it exceeded I w- your expectations. I, got I a had 4. like 5. expectations of like a one. <laughs> 
Uh, I love it. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things like that. There were some great parts, like, but they were all in the trailers that were out where the people were auditioning and singing songs. Like they had a uh, Chris Cr- or Christopher Cross's "Run Like the Wind." One of the yeah, characters was singing that rock. <laughs> Wait, did they have Michael McDonald on it? No, it didn't get to that part. It's a step down, dude. <laughs> it's a step down. There's no, such a long way to go. Such a long way to go. <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> no, but it had like a, I mean, it had like a, this like jazz sort. It was actually played by Seth McFarlane. Okay. Um, Played this like down and out like, jazz singer mouse and like he's playing a saxophone he plays like uh there were two songs that i i thought were really great they had uh david brubrecht's take five nice um it's funny because i literally was in the shower before we went to the theater and i was listening to that on my phone in the shower it's a great song it's a great song that album is fucking that solid. album is gr- like i really like dave brubrecht's music yeah, Dave Brubeck, um, the only guy I've ever heard of who was upset at being on Time Magazine before. Because after he put on Take 5, or after he did Take 5, it was like this monumental album. Because, to be fair, it's because he was like a white jazz musician, but it's also like an incredible album. And that album took these like super crazy time signatures and every song on that album has like a crazy time signature, but they all work like they all yeah. swing, you know, and he was upset because they were going to have Duke Ellington on the cover of time and then like take five blew up and they were already working a piece with Dave Brubeck. So they fast tracked it and they put him on the week before they put on duke ellington so he was really upset at that about that because he thought it was a like a slap in the face at jazz musicians and particularly black jazz musicians because duke ellington is the legend of jazz yeah like like him and louis armstrong did more for jazz than any other musician like straight up and miles davis is my favorite so don't get me wrong here like miles davis is my absolute favorite but when you talk about the giants of jazz like it's like Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong in some order and then like everybody else below that because those guys did it for like seven decades and just fucking killed it for like seven decades. So, um, yeah, but anyway, so, um, <laughs> so they did a, a take, a take five cover. Take, they did, uh, and play in that. And then, uh, they had a quick, uh, outro with, uh, Oh, what's that? I just, uh, Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. Oh, nice. And if you're a Rick and Morty fan, you know that one very well. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that one very well before. We got, we got in a big argument about that song. Uh, you weren't here for this podcast, but, um, it was me and Zach and his friend who's a band teacher and, uh, like I, I was like doing the the saxophone, like the hot sax. I was making a joke about you belong to the city, but they kept like humming it, and I was like, "That's not 
like they were like no it's it's bakersfield and i was like no it's you belong in the city we got in this big argument about it and it was one of those things where i just relented because i was like arguing with the music teacher too <laughs> but then i like went and checked later and i was like god damn it i was right they're two different <laughs> songs and they got mixed up and they were thinking about bakersfield which is also baker street or baker street excuse me which is also a great song but like I was totally like, you belong in the city. Like that's the you sax part. You belong to the night. Because that is like even the video. I think like shows a black and white sax player like on the corner of an alley, like <laughs> like doing his sax thing. So it, it like it's it's the. Uh, it's the quintessential sax playing like section of a video in the eighties, you know? Yeah. Like saxes were big, but they were kind of funny when you look back at the eighties because they tried to make the sax player like the crazy guy, the crazy guy always had like a crazy mullet (laughs) (laughs) playing in a leather jacket or something, you know? And that would have been like the guitar player. <laughs> like if you don't have a saxophone player, you know? Yeah. So they were trying to indicate that the sax player was like the rebel of the band. It's like, no, not so much. Like you're kind of the throwback from jazz, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, the, uh, main character on this was, uh, voiced by Matthew McConaughey. And all right, all he right, basically right. plays. I thought it was uh, Sam Rockwell throughout the entire movie, because it was kind of like a neurotic sort of voice. Uh huh. So it's not Sam Rockwell, but it wasn't Sam Rockwell. But I could have swore it was Sam Rockwell uh, doing the voice. Um, and it was basically kind of like. Um, Steve Martin's character in Bowfinger. Okay, so like he's a like con a artist, con he's artist, to hustle up something, con artist, producer sort of guy. So that's basically the gist of the story. Which, by the way, Steve Martin's character in Bowfinger was based off of Lloyd Kaufman from Trauma Team films. Like yeah. that, that was a direct. He was directly trying to uh, portray Lloyd Kaufman. So, it's, for anybody who knows that, you're probably giggling a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so, I mean, it it hit a lot of the right notes. I mean, it wasn't... The end started to drag pretty good, and it was... A lot of it was pretty... You knew what was going to happen before it happened. Yeah. And so, I mean, there was a lot of it that was pretty pedestrian. Okay, so you were going to bring up... So I got a list of notable deaths of 2016. So we talked about two of them for sure. The first two on the list being Carrie Fisher and uh, George Michael. And I just thought I'd go through the list here. (laughs) And this is in no particular order. It's just I would randomly or just pick out stuff that I like several different websites. Um. Zsa Zsa Gabor. Yeah. I, I'm not like broken up about that. No. She was like old as hell. Yeah. Anyway. Muhammad Ali. <sighs> That's brutal, dude. That one was pretty rough. That was, that might have been the one that I took the hardest this year. 
like he meant a lot to me. He was like a personal hero to me. Yeah. So I even watched a lot of his old fights just because like I I love heavy like classic era like heavyweight boxing. It hasn't it, been good for a long time. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff there. Uh Fidel Castro. Yeah. Uh David Bowie we talked about. We definitely talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. I think Adrian was chiming in too. Yeah. Uh, Alan Rickman. Yeah, it's rough, man. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think Aaron Donaldson have posted something about like Merry Christmas. Uh, it's, uh, Hans Gruber is dead, <laughs> and I like put a ha ha thing on there, and then I realized like, wait, I had to like clarify like <laughs> this is about the ha ha is at Hans Gruber, not Rick, not Alan not Rickman, Rickman, which yeah. is sad and tragic. Yeah, Prince. Yeah, uh, John Glenn. John Glenn, that's right, dude. Yeah. We didn't even talk about him dying. No, we really didn't. And I that mean, just happened recently, yeah, too. Yeah, it was in the last month or two. Fuck, man. Yeah. He fucking stepped on the moon. Stepped on the moon. He was a senator. I mean. Went went in space again <laughs> after that. <laughs> uh, Nancy Reagan. Yeah. I mean. Um, yeah. yeah. Janet Reno. Janet Reno died? Yeah. I didn't even know. Uh, we talked about Arnold. Will Ferrell did a great Janet Reno. <laughs> she did a great Janet Reno. <laughs> uh, Arnold Palmer, Gordy Howe, yeah. both sports legends. Uh, another political one, Scalia. Yeah. I mean, that, just because it has a lot of ramifications in the future. Yeah, that was more tragic for me in that, like, I thought we were finally going to get a liberal court for once in my lifetime, and clearly that's not happening. Yeah, Keith Emerson and Greg Lake of Emerson Lake and Palmer both died. Wow. Uh, Alan Thick. Yeah. Florence Henderson. Yeah, we didn't talk about her passing either. No. Dude, she was like. She was everybody's mom. Grew up for certain decades. Yeah, Gary Shandling. Yeah, that was that was fucking rough, dude. I love Gary Shandling. Yeah, fuck you, twenty sixteen. All right, let's keep going. Gene Wilder. Ugh. Maybe that was the hardest one. Actually, that like, one was pretty rough. That, that you know what? Muhammad Ali was the hardest one. Like. Because he was a hero, but I didn't realize how much I loved Gene Wilder until he was gone. Like, I, I knew I loved him, but, like, it didn't. That one fucking hit me hard when I found that out. Yeah. Uh, Lemmy. Yeah. From Motorhead. Uh, Patty Duke. Yeah. Another classic TV. Yeah, and she battled with, uh, like, uh, bipolar. She was really bipolar. Yeah. Uh, Abe Vigoda. Yeah. <laughs> but, dude. I mean, he was. When you're, when you're like, when your second act is when you're like in your 80s, <laughs> you had a pretty good run. Yeah. George Kennedy. Yeah, that sucks. Like, uh, Naked Gun movies. Yeah. Many cop shows and things. Uh, Gary Marshall. I think we talked about that one on yeah, the podcast. Definitely did. Uh, Doris Roberts. I don't know who that is. Uh, she played the mom on Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. Um, yeah, I know who she is. Okay. Uh, Leonard Cohen we talked about. Yeah. Merle Haggard. Yeah, it doesn't affect me a whole lot, but I can see how he's a giant. Yeah. 
Malik Taylor from a tribe called Quest. Yeah. Definitely I mean, talked about him. A way too bit. young. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Fry. Yeah, Glenn Fry, dude. That was another guy we didn't really get into. Like, I how many how many Eagle songs do you listen to? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's me, but like, I have the whole Eagles catalog. And that shit hurts. And he had yeah. one of the better solo efforts too, just for like a single song. Like he had heat is on, the heat is on. That one was good, but Smugglers Loses was my favorite off that album. Okay, fair enough. Um, Rob Ford, the the faint, the notorious Toronto mayor that did crack in office. Yeah, I can't say I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> uh, Henry Heimlich, the inventor of the Heimlich maneuver. Yeah, dude, he's crazy. Have we talked about him on this show? I know they talked about him uh, a little bit on uh, We Had a Good Life. Cause, did they? Because he, uh, this year, he had never actually performed the Heimlich Maneuver on oh, person. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, but he's fucking crazy and not a good person. Like, that should be known, too, though. Um, like, he came up with that, right? And, like, it immediately saved lives. But then he started suggesting it for, like, seizures and all these things that didn't help. And, like, they said it probably killed more people than it saved for quite a few years because he was going on TV shows advertising that. And then he was also a Holocaust denier on top of it. Ew. And because of these two things, um, whenever, like, like I, I had to take CPR classes pretty regularly for, like, you know, often on the last 15 years. And they don't call it the Heimlich maneuver like everybody else does. They call it abdominal thrusts. And they insist on that because they don't want to be, like, associated with him in any way. And uh, I also call it abdominal thrust after reading a lot of things about him. He was a crackpot, but uh, he did do one good thing in his life. Uh, Anton Yelchin. I don't think we yeah. really talked. No, much we about totally him. did. Like, uh, like around the time he passed, we did. But that's that's been a while now. I mean, yeah, it's almost been a year. Well, it was that he like passed. May or so. Oh, was it then? Yeah, okay. it's been. A it while. was just before Star Trek Beyond was released. Yeah, we definitely talked about it, though. Uh, another one today, uh, Ricky Harris is the actor on uh, Everybody Hates Chris. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I, I never watched that show, though, so I didn't really know no. who he was. Uh, the WWE China. China died? Yeah, back in April. Was it like a drug thing? It was a drug thing. Yeah. Um, She is, holds the record as the only undefeated person in the wwe history wow uh natalie cole natalie cole died i didn't know that uh harper lee the writer of to kill a mockingbird okay um tony burton not he uh was the trainer of both Rocky and Apollo Creed. Oh, God damn it. That's right. He's the, like, and other than Sylvester Stallone, he's the only one who is in every movie. Like, he was in every movie. That's crazy. Yeah, because he's, like, so he's Apollo Creed's trainer in the first two, and then he's at the gym helping train Rocky, but Apollo's his trainer, right? And then in four and five, he's Rocky's trainer. 
And then in six, he comes back as Rocky's trainer. And his his whole part, I think you really just see him in one scene. He's like, we're going to teach you gut punches. and or We're going to teach you, like, like your hands are calcified, but we're going to teach you, like, how to, like, do these big punches. I don't know. And then I feel like he had a small part in Apollo, but I don't remember exactly what it was. But, yeah, yeah. that's sad. Uh, Maurice White, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Paul Cantor, Jefferson Airplane. God damn you, 2016. Uh, This one, like, looking it up, actually, like, hurt in retrospect, was uh, Michelle McNamara, uh, the wife of Patton Oswalt. Yeah. No, that was brutal when I read about it. Like, and they just had a kid, too. Yeah. Like, not too long. Like, they got a really young kid, too, and that's, that's super sad. Yeah. Uh, Eric Bowersfield, who played uh, Admiral Akbar. No, God damn! And I didn't even hear about that one. How did that one slip out of my brain? Like I remember hearing about Kenny Baker dying. Yeah, that was the next one on my list. Yeah, God damn it! Fuck you, 2016. Uh, Morley Schaefer, 60 Minutes. Mm. Um, Matt Ro- Roberts from Three Doors Down. Yeah. Uh, oh well. Ron Lester. <laughs> Varsity Blues. Which guy was that? He paid the uh, fat kid. Oh, he died? Yeah. God damn. You know what's crazy about that? So you play Billy Bob, right? Yeah. Um, Like, if you ever saw Not Another Teen movie, yeah. they had a guy who's playing the same role, but he was super skinny. And, like, the joke was that he was playing the fat guy, but he's super skinny. It was the same actor, which I didn't know when I saw that movie. Yeah, after Varsity Blues, he had the gastric bypass surgery. Yeah, and so, like, he picked up that role to make a joke of it. But, like, I didn't realize watching that movie the whole time it was the same guy. Yeah, and it was because I think he lost, like, over 300 pounds. Yeah, he was was a big boy. Uh, Miss Cleo. Yeah, (laughs) I mean... Well, I I'm mean, she was part of our life. She was, yeah. She it was one of those was. annoying parts. They're always on Comedy Central late at night doing. <laughs> but the, my favorite thing about Miss Cleo was Dave Chappelle making fun of Miss Cleo <laughs> on the Chappelle show. <laughs> uh, Alexis Arquette. No uh, idea. She was in uh, The Wedding Singer. She played the the transsexual friend. Oh, the they just call him Boy George. Yeah. Yeah, or they just call him George in it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah he always does. Do you really want to hurt me? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he was a, she was a big into LGBT rights. And, That's a bummer. Yeah. Frank Sinatra Jr. Yeah. Um, John Barry, one of the original members of the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Wait, so, wait, one of the originals, so he Yeah, wasn't... he was in, like, the f- first year or two, okay. and then... So, was... he's, sort of, he's sort of the Pete Best of the Beastie Boys. Kind of, yeah. Did he put out an album called Best of the Beastie Boys? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you so. You probably can't get away with that one. Uh, George Gaines. He played uh, Commandant Lassard. Oh, yeah. And That's the father in Punky Brewster. Yeah, no, he was he was good. Yeah. Uh, Dan Haggerty played Grizzly Adams. Okay. 
You know what? You know what's sad about that? The only thing I really know about Grizzly Adams is like Grizzly Adams did have a beard. Yeah, all the Kevin Smith ref- references, which by the way, okay, I'm not going to say who it is, but somebody we know got to meet Kevin Smith and have dinner with him, and I'm not going to tell the story cuz it's not my story to tell, but should this person ever want to tell the story on the podcast, cool you have an open invitation i know that they listen but i don't want to give it away because it's not my story to tell but somebody that we know met and had dinner with kevin smith interesting yeah so uh just a few less last ones uh david margulies he played the mayor in ghostbusters was that Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2? I'm trying to remember a mayor Ghostbusters. in Ghostbusters. What did he do in Ghostbusters? He was the mayor. Shut <laughs> up. I don't remember the mayor. Because I remember, I think it, I don't know if it was the same mayor in Ghostbusters 2 that had dinner with, uh, or never mind. Like Eleanor Roosevelt? Yeah, that that was totally part two. Yeah. Like and, and he's like, Get me the Ghostbusters. But I think it was basically the same performance in Ghostbusters one. Okay. Um Joe Alasky. No. I know Joe Alasky since I was a kid. He was on this shitty show called uh which I lo- and I've talked about a little bit on the show, but he was on this show. God, what was it fucking called? It it was um there was a girl who had who was like half alien and she could like put her fingers, her index fingers together and freeze time. And then after a couple of seasons, they allowed her to gleep where she would turn things into other things. And uh he was just like the dumpy neighbor on it. But in addition, he did a ton of like tiny tunes. He and was then basically he, and then he did Looney Tunes. When Mel Brooke, or when Mel Blank died, I think he took over Bugs Bunny and some and of the Daffy characters. Duck. Yeah, and because I know he won an Emmy for Duck Dodgers. Yeah, like done a ton of voice work, but um, boy, I can't think of the name of that show, but <laughs> <laughs> wish I could. It was definitely a staple of my childhood. But uh, Joe Santos, he was in uh, Rocket Files and The Sopranos. Did they say what character? I didn't say. Okay, there's so many people in The Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, Larry Drake, he uh, was on L.A. Law and played, uh, he was also the lead of Dr. Giggles. Oh, yeah. So he was the uh, mentally handicapped individual in L.A. Law. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that guy. Damn you, 2016. Uh, Leon Russell, uh, famous uh, keyboardist. He's played several shows here in Helena okay. over the years. Um, Jerry Corbetta of Sugarloaf. I don't even know what Sugarloaf is. Uh, <laughs> is it a band? It's a band. The Their big hit was Green-Eyed Lady. Okay. Green-Eyed Lady, Ocean Lady. Nope, no idea. <laughs> Kyle Gass just performed it when we last saw him. Okay, but that was probably one of the ones I just didn't recognize. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kimbo Slice. 
Is he okay? Cambo Slice. He was like the a big bearded uh, MMA right? guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the last one on my list was uh, giving up one for Harambe. 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 Explain. A lot of these on the list, I need explanation at the end. The gorilla from the Cincinnati Zoo that was shot. Oh, no, fuck that gorilla, dude. <laughs> I feel bad for it for being in prison and stuff, but I will definitely go on the side of when a gorilla is, like, holding a child, it probably needs to be put down. Sorry. I don't think, but if it makes it any better for anybody, I don't think we should really have zoos. Like, I also fall <laughs> on that side, too. So, I think it's a bad fucking idea to imprison animals. I'm just pissing off all sorts of people right now. <laughs> but, uh, my mom can tell you, like, because my wife thought I was just being difficult when we went to the Portland Zoo and I wasn't having a good time. But uh, I'd never like zoos. Even when I was a kid, it did make me depressed when I walk around and I'm seeing all these animals, like, trapped, not able to, like, roam around like they're supposed to. Like, to me, that's what nature documentaries are for. <laughs> like, you want to see this big, majestic beast? Fucking watch, like, Planet Earth or something, you know? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, fuck 2016. Yeah, fuck 2016. Fuck you and the stupid ass. <laughs> However, we will be celebrating the positive things of 2016 in a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, when we do the biggies. <laughs> but that's... That's further down the line. We'll be we'll be uh, focusing on more positive things about 2016 for that. But that's somewhere. That's when all the award shows are going. That I do the biggies. If people don't remember, because it's a direct like it's directly making fun of the award shows. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we'll hold off on that one. But would you like to do Facebook Live next week? I think we could do that. And we missed, we said we were going to do one a month and we totally missed December. Yeah. And, and like, good. it was because of the holidays. It was just, there was no way to wedge it in. It, too much chaos around my house. So maybe we can do one next week and do one at the end of January to make up. Yeah. What do you say? We'll start out the new year right. Yeah. We'll start out 2017 right. I don't know if 2017 will do us right. Like, it might be the alcoholic brother of 2016, in which case we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> if that's the case, they'll just start out by, like, killing the remaining Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> just killing just, Beatles, Led Zeppelin, and Queen, all, like, all the remaining members all together. Yeah, just everybody. Yeah. it. Ugh. I don't have high hopes for 2017. But I'm not sure how much worse it could be than 2016. I mean, other than politically. Of course, it's going to be worse politically. (laughs) I got to laugh about it because it's depressing. (laughs) Anyway, uh, take it easy. And fuck 2016. And fuck 2016. John Oliver definitely called it right. I don't actually have debates on my show. It's called That's Debatable, but I don't really have an affirmative or negative debate, really. It's not a win or loss kind of debate. The way that I've organized the show is to kind of try to talk about arguments um, as opposed to having any one argument in particular. I think talking about arguments is a fun way to have an argument. You're kind of arguing with people as opposed to necessarily against them. A not safe for network podcast. 
take that OD and drink it down to the label. Yeah. You uh, get yourself a funnel from a gas station. <laughs> uh, you then pour sauce in up to where the, the malt just liquor started. Fill her back up. Mm-hmm. So you got yourself a little bit of a buzz on because you just drank about a third of a bottle of malt liquor. Put it inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Experience what we just had the absolute privilege of mm-hmm. experiencing in such a thickening. Yeah. I don't see any way that anyone's ever going to regret this. Yeah. We had a good life. When Wilford Brimley is telling you that that's what he's going to do, you're like, oh, wow, it must be aliens. It's totally because the mustache. Yeah. Yeah, believe the mustache because when he is in the thing and he is missing the mustache. Bad news. There's something about him that's not Something's right. And the characters pick off. up on it right away and they lock him away. <laughs> you know, the plot suggests it's for other reasons, but he is a man that should have a mustache. And when he doesn't, it codes for strangeness. And just all around wrongness and weirdness. The Alien Movie Project. Hi, I'm Biggs. Check out my podcast, Biggs on Film, where I do insightful commentaries on films that you love. Uh, Gort the Robot, they call him Newt. Yeah, Newt. Like like he's uh, Norwe- like, Norwegian. Yeah, <laughs> he's mostly Norwegian. Mostly. The two fancy skeletons in the back are the worst. Dude. I know, they're the best. <laughs> like, it's no wonder they lost this battle. <laughs> That's a gross-looking punching bag. Dude, oh, I'd yeah, be that worried punching... about getting Seminilla punching that bag. I think he might have given that punching bag salmonella well every now and then it's insightful find us on itunes